teachings that I've given you so far are absolutely to the limit as much as I'm, it's appropriate for me to give explicitly. The rest of the teachings really can only be given through transmission. And there's a very good reason for that. Um, the Dharma is a, a, an, a... It's a transmission of an experience of reality. And the experience of reality that it brings us to frees us from suffering. Now hearing that, we might say, yeah, right, that sounds like a big claim to make. And it is. And in order that that might not arise in our mind and therefore close our mind from the possibility that it genuinely can free us from suffering, which would be a terrible shame. It's very necessary that our heart opens at a point to receive the teachings rather than us taking them on at a mental level. Because it isn't about a transformation of our ideas. It's about an experience that fundamentally changes the way we behave at a choiceless level. That gradually in stages brings us to a point where we aren't capable of being the cause of suffering to ourselves or others. And at that point, it's a very, or to that extent, it's a very, you know, it's a very serious and very sacred and very pure thing. And therefore, it needs to be taken into the purest part of us to avoid landing upon the part of us that might be cynical. Or to, be, to avoid a battle with our pride. Which might think that we know already for ourselves what the cessation of suffering is. Or that we would be clever enough to be able to avoid it. The reason that the Buddha asked people to take precepts was so that they would be restrained enough in conduct and pure enough in mind that their hearts would be open enough to receive the heart essence, not the word, of the teachings by which they may be healed and freed. Now, we are a lay audience who have been asked nothing but to get on a train, get in a car, turn up here, dial into the internet, buy a book in the local bookshop. 
And all of these teachings are essentially available to us regardless of how receptive to them we actually are. Normally, the explicit teachings would stop at the point of the teaching of dependent origination. And at that point, everything stands upon the transformative meditative experience. There would be no teachings given beyond that, certainly not to us. So that's the point at which the Dharma is shared through transmission. Because to receive the transmission is to open your heart. And for a moment to get beyond your limiting ideas. And to not receive the transmission is effectively to acknowledge that we aren't yet ready to get beyond our limiting ideas of ourselves. And unfortunately that's how it is, whether we like that or not, whether we would like it to be the case that it would be something we could go and get from a bookshop or learn in school. It isn't. Because Otherwise it would be something we could learn in school. The reason I spoke to you about how important it is to establish a devotional attitude is because the process of dismantling the ego or effectively our pride, which really is what our ego is, Our pride is a very dogged and unwilling to be relinquished aspect of ourselves. And one way to do it is to patiently and persistently review the nature of your experience to the point where it gets such a battering that there is no longer any grounds to continue to insist on holding on to it. The other way is that we suffer on account of it to a point that is so unbearable that we just are forced to surrender. And the third way is through finding humility that allows us to acknowledge the fact that I don't know. That this life is not something I understand and that there might be an intelligence that is beyond my concrete understanding to which I have to align myself if I'm truly going to see it for what it is. The devotional attitude is that moment at which 
just for a moment we get beyond ourselves. And whatever ideas of who we think we are, we are willing to surmount just for a moment to open our hearts to something that might have surpassed our understanding. To be receptive to it. And that is the only way that higher spiritual practice or prayer will bring any fruit. If you pray to a deva or an angel and it doesn't appear to your mind, ask yourself why. You are praying to something that embodies a purity to which you aspire. Part of getting to that place of purity is the acknowledgement that there are aspects of myself which aren't yet that. And that's our ego, our pride. When we can surmount our pride our heart opens. And at that point you might find that part of you that can resonate or come into coherence with that to which you pray. And at that point you may receive the guidance or steerage or support or blessing or healing that you are asking for. But you will not receive it If you are praying from your pride, believing that you are entitled to a blessing or to a healing or to a teaching or to whatever it is that you are praying for. The universe is not out of place. What we're going through is our teacher. And the only way to free ourselves of the suffering that it presents, if it's presenting suffering to us, is to purify it by being with it. And that means surrendering that part of our pride that thinks it shouldn't be happening to me. It also means surrendering that part of our pride that thinks that I must be so shameful and unworthy that it could happen to me. To think that we should be better or to think that we are worse are all the same thing. It is all pride, and it is all not accepting what is. Now, if you want to understand this universe for what it is, or God, if that's to who you pray, you better stop thinking that it should be something other than it is. Because if you do, you are most definitely not open what it actually is. So, I don't know how we, in our context, in this time, find that humility to open to a higher consciousness that can become our teacher. 
you know, how it used to be done is not something that we are necessarily that susceptible to. So you have to find your own way of getting beyond your pride so that your heart can open. And the first step that I suggest is to acknowledge without any judgment whatsoever that pride itself. To see that it is there. To see that you do compare yourself to others and judge them. And sometimes consider yourself to know better and sometimes consider yourself not to. Sometimes arises in your mind arrogance and sometimes shame. And that all of it is pride. Now, that virtue that I asked you to think about, I didn't actually ask you to think about virtue, I asked you to reflect upon purity. If you want to discover a part of you, if you hold on to the hope that there might be a part of you that is fundamentally pure, if you're going to develop a relationship with it, rather than just stand on the belief that it might be there and I'm okay, then you will have to surmount your pride. You will have to start to be willing to dismantle your ideas of being special or not and start to accept that you are the same as the next person, no more important and no less. And that the world does not depend upon your presence here. Your presence here is for your own opportunity to awaken so that you can be part of what might show others how to be. There's no room for vanity. Even if you do, free yourself from suffering. So, when you were a child and you went to church and you prayed to God you didn't know what you were praying to and sometimes it would go goodness me what am I doing praying to the idea of a man sitting on a cloud <coughs> and I, that's a shame and it's also completely understandable because perhaps there wasn't enough guidance as to what the gesture of getting on your knees and praying actually was. When we kneel and put our head to the floor, it is a gesture, just for a moment to get beyond ourselves. Just an acknowledgement that I am not special, and nor am I shameful. And I am willing to kneel 
and I'm willing to put my head to the floor. That, more than whatever it is arises in your mind while you pray, is the gesture that surmounts your pride and opens your heart. Because in that moment, that willful part of us that stands in the way is momentarily surmounted. Before a transmission would be given, there would be some kind of preparatory work. Well, all of it was always for the purpose of opening the heart to make us receptive. And if you see it as anything other than that, that too might be your pride. So, I'm not going to ask anything of you. But I would suggest you maybe reflect upon what traditionally is asked. And without necessarily doing it, reflect upon your willingness to. Because that mind transmission that has really been the sharing of the Dharma throughout the ages is only received in the heart. And it won't even be something that you fully understand in your mind. So some of you, I'm sure, are extremely intelligent. And if I was to write it on the blackboard you probably get it. But that does not constitute the receiving of the teaching that has the capacity to transform. So, I was thinking, how might we make a meditation that starts that process, that might save us a tremendous amount of hard work. The practice of Satipatthana and the practice of Samatha and Vipassana, whatever they might appear to be, are essentially a practice for the gradual breaking down of our pride so that our heart opens. It takes a very long time. Some of you have been doing it with me for years and you know it's hard work. So if you think it's hard work to kneel on the floor and put your head on the floor, trust me, that is not hard work. Hard work is when the ego is not willing to relinquish and it has to be battered good and hard by seeing how things are before the heart opens. So you could put it in that context if you like. There is a reason that faith plays a part because it can save an awful lot of gnashing of teeth that is done by a willful and dogged pride. 
So I was thinking like this. If we make the reflection, or if we try to align ourselves with a consciousness or a state of consciousness that has the capacity to heal us deeply and to purify our minds and to free us from suffering, how might we, what kind of a gesture might we make that would help us through just repeating it? gradually dissolve the rigidity of our pride. And I thought of something like this. This is not a traditional mantra or a prayer or something that's been handed down by the ages. I was thinking about a way of putting it that we can so easily understand so there's no mysticism or mystery behind it. Something like this, if we could see it this way, how perfect this world would be without my pride. How perfect this world would be without my pride. Now I think that, in a way, encapsulates what it requires. The acknowledgement of that is all that's required to start to open our hearts so that we would become receptive to the sort of spiritual transmission that we hope for when we go to church and pray or whatever it is we do. So, if you like, you can make that reflection to yourself and I think you'll find that it will open your heart. How perfect this world would be without my pride. And when you understand it's not just your pride, but that we are all the same, and that it's effectively all of our pride, then we start to see the bigger picture. How does that sound? Yeah? And while you're working with it, work also with what resists that. Because that's also <coughs> relevant. And see if you can't, your heart, see into the truth of that very simple statement. How perfect this world would be without my pride.